fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend Everett. Hi. We talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm good. You know, I was just telling you I'm feeling a little ho-hum, but as soon as we like start... had the music. I know. It's like, you know, I actually, I'm having a good time. It's good. It's Tuesday, yeah? It's, yeah, it is. It is Tuesday, yeah. It's like a little bit, that was a little Canadian of you. It's it's Tuesday, yeah? Okay. This isn't great. I'm sorry. That's me being Canadian. We're drinking Natty Light Seltzers. No, it's terrible. I don't know what this flavor is. It's not good. It's called Zest I Ever Had. It's strawberry lemonade. It's not the best. You know, I'm going to drink it. I remember these are 6%. Yeah, last a, time they weren't. <laughs> we're like, ah, oh, they're four cents seltzers. No, I feel like that extra two percent when you come consume an extra couple gets you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Andrew, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I, I'm still really digging this diver one that we have in on loan. That yeah. I have it on loan. I suppose you could probably borrow it too. But it, it's lovely. Uh, yeah. No, I might wear it for a day or two. I have been really struggling against buying one. I like it so much. Yeah, you're going to get the titanium one, correct? I think so. Yeah. If I get one, I'm kind of in that spot where I, I know I won't wear it. I just want to have it. Not because I don't like it, but I just have other things that I would wear more often. This yeah. would be like a quarterly worn watch, but at, at the price it is, I'm kind of like, is that really a, you know? Yeah. Is the titanium one automatic or is it a quartz? Uh, I think it's still quartz. I think they're all quartz. Well, they have an automatic. Uh, the um, Treasure Seekers, auto, they have automatic. But um, <laughs> it's a dumb name. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think the the uh, titanium is still using that um, that or that quartz movement. All right, all right. I've I've got a watch. Uh, uh in for review, new watch. Yeah. Uh, on this is the uh, Tool Watch Co. Arctic. It's I like a, it. It's a it's a. I would I would call this diminutive. It is a uh, maybe diminutive is the wrong word. It's a conservatively sized thirty eight millimeters, I believe, titanium cased Whew. field watch, square lugs, which you know me that that does it. Square lugs. Uh, it's got a sterile bezel. Uh, you, you know, I really like this watch. I've, I've only had it now for just a little over a day, um, and and coincidentally, the same day I got this. Wes and Colin also sent a notice sector field watch. And so I, these have, you know, I've only had this for about okay. 24 hours and it's been splitting time. But I will say thus far, I really, really, really like this watch. The size is right. Um, you know, meteorite dials, I'm not a huge fan. This is super subtle. Pictures it's, pictures would make it not seem very subtle. It's but subtle. In, this, in this light, it's very subtle. You, you know what's not subtle? The shark tooth hand. The shark to the end is not subtle. No, the 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 dial. So so more to come on the Arctic. Uh, I think it's a great watch. I'm I'm really excited to write this review. No, you know what's not subtle is the dial on the sector field. So I've seen many pictures. I gotta be honest, not my favorite dial via the Instagram. Uh, got it in person, put it on, and I was like, holy shit, that looks good. I really like. The notice sector field. That's why he didn't bring it so that I couldn't see it so that I wouldn't take it. <laughs> you can take it as long as you want. So, um, hear that, boys? <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> it's yours. You now own it. Um, yeah. So cool watches, man. I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this tool watch co. So, yeah. Enough about these. I think we've got some other watches and somebody to talk about them with us. 
Yeah. So enough, enough of our yammering. Yeah. Yeah. So from Haim Watchco, we've got live on the line from Kansas City by way of Chicago owner, Zakir. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How about you guys? Doing really well, man. We are. It's early for us still. It's early enough for us still. It's not quite as early for you. And I want to thank you for joining us a little late uh, over Thanks there. For having me. How's Kansas City this evening? You know, the weather, I haven't gone out much. I've been inside <laughs> a conference pretty much majority of the day. From we're talking from six thirty a.m. up until almost seven p.m. That's all day. Is there like a heaviness kind of hanging over the city of Kansas City right now with with the way the uh, the Chiefs are performing? Well, you know, I'm actually an hour away. I'm in Overland Park. Okay, okay. So you're far yeah, enough away. Park, I I've outside of being inside of a convention center. I haven't gone anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe a more pressing question then for you, um, being a son of Chicago, is there a heaviness over the city of Chicago right now, a David Montgomery size uh, uh, weight over the city of Chicago right now, uh, based on the way the Bears are playing? <laughs> you, you know, we're Seattle fans, I, or at least I'm a no, Seattle fan. Yeah, yeah. So, I so think that's that, something. That's I why it rains here. That happens every year. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that's a never ending. I mean, the last time we won was, God, I was five. So the uh, the Super Bowl shuffle, right? Oh yeah, the r- r- five. R- yeah, Rich it was Perry. five at that time. And at that point, we get to the point. There's been years where we'll get so close, but no cigar. Well, That's enough familiar. about football. Yep. You, you know what I've found about watch people? Watch people are more uh, or less, they are less likely than the average. So, so yeah, uh, obviously a hobby dominated by men. I think the average watch person is less likely to be a football fan than the average adult male. That's my completely unscientific I was going to talk you up. I was going to say that's your peer-reviewed position. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if you've had the same experience. I feel like watch people don't well, like you know, football. For, well, for sports, my first sport my first sport of choice is um is baseball. That makes sense. Coming out of Chicago. So, uh well, you're, not just that, yeah. not just that. It was also the first sporting event I've ever been to with my with my father. Oh, so there's like that. That's that's baseball right there. That really sentimental. Yeah. I mean, that's it right there in a nutshell. I get you pegged as a Cubs fan. Not at all. I'm a White Sox fan. Okay, well, uh, you know, that's. I, I hope I didn't offend you, but I did have you pegged as a Cubs. Oh, fan. You know what? Um, so he's going to sign off right up, now. Growing up on the southwest side of Chicago, the first game I ever I ever went to uh, was a White Sox game, and that was at Comiskey, and that's kind of where I've sided with. And even though. In my teen, in my teen years, uh, I moved to the north side of the city, which is basically the Cubs and Sox mm-hmm. are divided by north and south. Mm-hmm. And even though I moved up, I was pretty much the outlier because I was in a in Cubs territory, but as a White Sox fan. All right, fair enough. So and your you know, your first game when when was that first game? Because I, I I'm just trying to I, I've got you pegged. You told us how old you are. I won't reveal that information. Okay. Uh, but I've got you pegged as a Frank Thomas rookie season kind of guy. I I was I was eight or nine, so I don't remember all the details. Uh, you, you know, this might reveal something that may have been Frank Thomas's rookie season. 
Well, you know what? I mean, I, I'll, well, yeah, you, I, I told you my age, I'm 41. So uh, that being said, we're talking 1980, 1988. Yeah, yeah. Well, huge Huge Frank Thomas fan. Not necessarily a Cubs fan, but I think Frank Thomas is one of the greatest baseball players of all time. So, Okay. <laughs> I don't feel like that was quite, was, uh... <laughs> quite the sign-on I was <laughs> expecting. <laughs> you know, I to each their own. To each their own. Because I was really torn because on one hand, here I am in Chicago. I'm a budding White Sox fan. But then on... Anytime I turn on the TV, there would be Oakland A's with the Bash Brothers. So I was a fan of them, too. Yeah. yeah. And this is before the creatine. The, yeah, cool, yeah. I like finger quotes. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we have, to, we have to say our finger quotes out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, interesting time in baseball. It, it, was, it was a time for uh, sort of bombastic, muscular uh, gladiators to just do their business, which is... You know, in retrospect, I think we're going to look back fondly. You know, I know that there's sort of controversy about Barry Bonds and whatever, but I think in retrospect, we're going to like, wasn't that fun when everybody was on fucking juice and just hitting 70 home runs a year? And yeah, everyone that looked was like fun, looked like the rock walking up to the plate, like just not even able to fully <laughs> swing. It was just kind of a half twist because they couldn't get their arms close enough to their side. That's a good time for baseball. The Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire record year was <laughs> so fucking fun. People I who didn't like baseball like that. Year. It was like, yeah. this, look at these guys, man. They, it, yeah, I, I, you know, sort yeah, of part, part of me is like, we really should just have like a Starship Troopers uh, movie, not book, a Starship Troopers sort of like... Like an XFL? Yeah, yeah just do it to it, man. Take every, any possible substance on Earth. Nothing is illegal. Just go to town and hit the fuck out of the ball. And it's only three players on the field. <laughs> <laughs> so we are not here to talk about baseball. Chicago Cubs, Oakland A's or otherwise. We're here to talk about... You, you specifically, and your budding watch company, Haim Watchco. So Haim is a new a new player, right? And we actually met you. You reached out to me one day, uh, bright-eyed yeah, and bushy-tailed, perhaps, and said, Hey, I'm rev- I'm releasing a watch. It's not out yet, but I'm trying to get some traction. Would you guys be interested in doing a giveaway? And we said, Yeah, of course. Let's let's do a giveaway right. together. And we've been, I would say, internet friends since. Um, and here we are, I'd, you know what, 18 months later, you've now had a, an iteration on your first watch or are about to have an iteration and you've got your second watch. So, so tell us about it. What is Hame? What are you doing here? So, you know, the brand, it's something I started just because I can't stop talking about watches. I can't stop dreaming about watches. I've been <laughs> watches, into watches forever. I collect watches on my own. And initially, I would just start doing sketches and just drawing stuff of my own. And, you know, when the early stages of the pandemic hit, that's when I had a bit more time to start doing renders. So I would do renders and I would show them to some people and such. And... You know, the feedback I got was, hey, this is incredible. What are you doing with this? Uh, I don't know. Well, hell, I, want it. <laughs> I want one. And, you know, that's when I decided, okay, let's see what I could do. Let's see if this can actually become something. And, you know, I've, I've gotten familiar with the micro brand and affordable watch space. So I figured I wanted to do something that would be within that realm. And 
And that's when I came out, came out with the first model, the, leg, the legacy chronograph. And from there, you know, it's been a learning process. And here we are a year after I'm on the tails of another update, the uh, legacy special edition, as well as the descent, uh, two different, two very different pieces. Very different pieces. Yeah, very, very different pieces. And I will say I was amongst, I think, the very first people to see uh, to see these in the metal. Yeah, you were. You, you know, we so we met all at wind up on Friday, the first day of right. wind up. And you said, man, I'm a little stressed. And I was like, well, why are you stressed, man? Uh, I'm supposed to have these watches and I haven't got my watch. I just got this. My my table materials there's a shipping problem you know it's like one of those it's like one of those situations where you you almost just have to like smile and chuckle and and i think that's what you did i think you did a really good job and you you were there but i felt sort of stressed for you well you know i everything was at the 11th hour everything the my registration for wind up getting there squeezing it in in between my actual profession and even just getting a Kickstarter campaign ready for these two watches. Everything happened at the very last minute. Wait, 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 wait. So I I don't understand because we all know that we've talked to lots of micro rent owners and I think everybody gets rich doing this. So why are you, you you also have a day job? Oh yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) Maybe I, maybe I am doing it wrong. (laughs) I think you are just based on on the general feedback. Yeah, no, that seems yeah. We're teasing you, obviously. Uh, yeah, teasing, teasing, obviously. Well, I know I'm, I'm I'm being sarcastic in response. It, you know, I think that um, I think that you, your experience is is really common. You know, we we go to wind up and we talk about um, these booths. You know, obviously, uh, you, you know. You've got these major companies, right? You've got Hamilton. Uh, right. you, you've got these Oris. You, Oris, right? These huge established companies, and they've got a fucking table, right? It looks like a Macy's counter, right? Just wall to wall watches, and, oh. and then and then probably more in decorations than most brands are bringing in inventory. Yeah, <clears throat> right. But but I think that that's actually not the beautiful part of an event like Wind Up. I I think the beauty in Wind Up lies in folks like you. And you, you know I, I I chuckled a little bit. We've talked about this, Andrew and I. But Aloha Watches, Spencer from Aloha Watches, is there, right. and he's got you know this full size. He's got the same size table as Oris, and he's got you know a display with four watches. You know. And and so it's kind of stark the contrast between these things, but um, you, you know my my I think favorite moments of wind up were talking to folks like you and talking to Spencer. What's that feel like though as an owner? Um, you know, you show up on Friday and you don't even have the materials that you've bought and paid for for wind up. What does that feel like? You know, I you get nervous. You get stressed out. You just wonder, like, okay, what is going to happen? And then ultimately you have to pep talk with yourself and keep reassuring yourself that, hey, you know what? You're going to do the best you can with what you have. And also that's just something even growing up, just my entire life, it's kind of been, I've had to do the best I can with whatever I was given. So I have that scrappy attitude. And I think it's something that served me well in moments such as that. 
And thankfully on Saturday, everything, everything came in. So it did. did. (laughs) I had all my, all my materials on Saturday and that was a much better day. That's the day you need it for. Saturday is a bigger day. Just in time. (laughs) So, I mean, so what ended up happening just right now, because, you know, logistics are a mess right now with the pandemic. Everything is crazy. Yeah. Freight is screwed up. As a matter of fact, I received notices from UPS and DHL. You know, I have shipping accounts with them. And I received notices with them telling me, hey, starting November, we're jacking up our prices. So now all the freight across the board is going to be anywhere from 10 to 15 percent higher. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we had Wes and Colin on about three weeks ago and, you know, even bigger companies. Right. These guys are are essentially doing the work of an OEM. So they've got one less stop in between them and the factories and they're they're feeling the pain. Everybody uniformly is feeling the pain. I think that for a company that's getting off the ground, that's got to feel like a lot of pressure. It does, because even even professionally, I've seen it where logistics uh, to get something from one side of the country to the other, where it at one point would cost around ten thousand to twelve thousand, it's now twenty five thousand, and twice as long. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> way more time. <laughs> well, why don't we talk about your first watch? So the the OG legacy because i think it's a pretty neat watch i'm not sure um i'm not sure that you can actually appreciate that watch at a at first glance i think that there's a tremendous amount going on and and i think that i've heard i'm sorry go ahead well well i guess i i guess just to sort of finish that thought and and then i want to hear what you what you were going to say um i I think that there is it's it's sort of Many watches, you, you know, for instance, we talked a little bit about this watch. Uh, this is the Arctic, the tool watch company, Arctic. It's a titanium field watch. Um, and there's some stuff going on here, but but it's kind of like a cool titanium field watch. I, I think that the Legacy, there's maybe more going on, and I think that's maybe harder to appreciate a watch like the Legacy. There's a lot of design. And I think it, from my perspective as a consumer of watches, you sort of, it, it inspires more questions than answers. You know, I want to know about the person who designed this watch. What, what are, what are you thinking? Can, can we talk a little bit? I think anytime someone puts down the money, the time, the effort to make a watch that says something about who they are as a collector. And, and I'd like to know, um, what that is, what, what, what is that, uh, from you? So uh, the story behind the legacy and actually all of my watches and just feedback that I get from people is, yeah, these are much better in the metal. Like you have to really put one in your hand to actually appreciate it. Uh, Undoubtedly true. Yes. And as far as design, when I designed everything, the big thing I wanted to, to avoid is I don't want to copy anybody else's design. I don't want to have any inspiration from anybody else's design. I want these to be as original as possible. And it's just stuff that I enjoy out of watches. So I put together the features that I enjoy the most on a chronograph, the pulsometer and tachometer, except I didn't want it to be too busy on the dial. So I made the tachometer into a chapter ring. So these are just things that I really haven't seen too much. And 
again, the design element, the style, the fonts, the whole nine. I don't want it to be reminiscent of any other piece out there. Like, I don't want to say, hey, I'm trying to recreate a vintage piece and then use uh, acrylic on the crystal instead of sapphire. No, I'm going to bing, I'm going to ding my wrist against something. So I would rather have a sapphire crystal. And ultimately, at the end, the watches are just something that I would want to wear. These, the, I initially and ultimately designed them for me. What what was your your thinking behind the movement choice using the the ST movement? What was what was there? Because everything is clearly very thought out. The way you use attack as a chapter ring with a pulse meter is is a really unique integration of those two functionalities. And I dig that. So I know that everything is very deliberate. And I want to hear about the movement. Everything choice. is very deliberate and. <laughs> That could be a that could be a good or a bad thing. It may work for me or work against me. So yeah, yeah. movement wise, so I'll talk about it all. Movement wise, I went into the SD1901 for a few reasons. One, I was adamant about a manual wine watch. Mm-hmm. I was also adamant about having a, a cog wheel on the chronograph. I was also adamant at keeping it at a certain price point. And then when I thought when I checked my options, there's really just the SD1901. Yeah, there's one but, yeah. fucking movement. Yeah, that's right. right. But as an added bonus, there's also a bit of history to it. If mm-hmm. you know the history of the Venus 125 and so on. Yeah. Now you can look at this watch and there's a bit of a story that you can actually tell on top of that. So now you have a manual wine chrono- chronograph movement with the column wheel that has a little bit of history and still under $600. You, you know, it, I, I, I know we've talked about this on the show before, but to, to the extent someone hasn't uh, heard this story or at least just the, the briefest the briefest portion of this story, v- Venus, uh, Venus, when Venus was sort of on its, on its last legs, wound up selling the design and, and, all of the hardware, all of the tooling, and the machines yeah. to make the Venus One Two Five, they sold them to Siegel. Siegel. You know, Siegel probably the biggest movement making company in the world, I think. Um, and and it was a really sort of odd transaction in in the way of watches, but historically speaking. I think it's pretty neat and I don't know that everybody appreciates how cool it is that you can today for about 125 bucks apart, I think, give or take, depending on, you know, the various costs, uh, get a classic Swiss designed column wheel Mm -hmm. chronograph in 2021. I I mean, that's, it's nuts. And, And and it's a pretty it's a pretty significant thing you know i think people don't properly appreciate that movement no and well you know any of those movements especially anything that isn't swiss it's going to get dismissed immediately especially mm-hmm. by there's a certain sector of collectors that are a bit snootier in that the douchebags yeah the neckbeards <laughs> uh <laughs> Well, even with the Miyota movement, they'll, they'll scoff at it. Like, oh, it's not Swiss. Those people are dumb. Yeah, they, they don't so, know what they're doing. They're dead to us. I mean, there are those people. I mean, there's still going to be a group of that. I get it. But, you know, for this, you for what you get, for what it can do, and also just in my personal in my personal life, I have a piece with the Siegel movement, and I've had it for two years, and it's been very reliable. Considering I paid next to nothing for it, 
you know, the choice made sense, especially for this and especially as as creating something that I would consider an entry level piece because I wanted it to be a piece that still stays within that price point. Mm-hmm. Well, what's that? What is that price point for you? Uh, it's four ninety nine, four ninety nine ninety nine, or five hundred all in. That's with uh, that's with shipping. I I think it's a really reasonable number. So that's what that's what the watch and with the watch you get it. I mean, I you get a hundred meters of water resistance, which is a lot wrist. for most chronographs. No, most are yeah. fifty. Yeah, you're beating the Speedmaster professional. Yeah. Fuckers. You get that. You get the, you get a very unique design because even even with the design, what helped with the tachometer on the chapter ring and then on the dial itself, the hour markers are applied, and they actually you really have a nice shine against the against any reflection. So when you stare at it, it kind of creates a bit of a snow globe feel to it. Hmm. Let's let's talk talk about a heart rate monitor. Can we talk about it? Yeah, I want to talk about it. Yeah, the pulsometer. Yeah, a pulsometer. What? What? Are, what's? What's the thinking behind that? I mean, it's like it's a cool functionality. No, what the it's, fuck I mean, are you thinking? Cool it's a cool function. It's something that doctors used back in the God knows when. But uh, <laughs> at that time, with their watches, so what you would do is you would activate the chronograph. First, mm-hmm. you would find the pulse, start the chronograph, count fifteen beats, and stop. And wherever it landed, right. that number, that's what their heart rate is. And I've tested it on myself, on my wife, and, you know, against the natural heart rate monitor, and it's pretty spot on. I dig it. No, no I, think, I think it's a fantastic complication. You know, we, we've, got, um, we've got some friends of the show that uh, are, are in medical professions, and between pulsometers <clears throat> and m- magnetic resistance... Uh, right. Those are the things that are the the most common for for those professionals. I, I I don't know how valuable, professionally speaking, a pulsometer is today. But you you know I, I say this often: is it tachometer or a tachometer? I mean, is it you know I, I say besides your old Lexus that was valuable. Yeah, yeah I need it in the Lexus. That's right. Uh, uh, <laughs> the 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 whole hobby is anachronistic. It just inherently watches the 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 interest in watches is this inherently anachronistic uh, interest. And so, fucking a, that's cool. I lo- I love it. I love the fact that you've got a tachometer and and a pulsometer because they're both now now if you if you could if you could also include a telemeter. In the next one, yep, I'd appreciate that. Well, I need all three, frankly. <laughs> There's a way. Well, I wanted to avoid <laughs> another reason with putting the tachometer in a chapter ring is I wanted the dial to have function, but also not be too busy. Yeah, if you put mm-hmm. all three, the dial itself tends to get a bit busy, and I can see that. I can see that as a homage to the earlier styles, but it's not something that I chose to do at this time. <laughs> just, we're just and also. I've honestly, I don't think I personally would ever use a telemeter. Oh my gosh! I use it weekly. I mean, he uses a slide rule for a soft boiled egg timer, so he can find a way. I think you've done a really cool thing in pulling all these very heritage, legacy ideas and this legacy cool movement into this thing that looks very modern, without a, a true analysis of it, without really digging into this watch. Like, oh, cool chronograph. That's what I wanted to do, and yeah. I wanted it to be something I enjoy. I made it made it for me, and 
that design. It's something that I don't ever want to have a comparison to something else that's already out there. I, I feel that if this watch, that if I get comparisons or it's like, oh yeah, this reminds me of so-and-so, then I feel that I did it wrong. Mm-hmm. And I also, even as a brand, I don't want to keep cranking out watches or new models year after year if, they, if the ideas would run stale. Let's talk a little bit about your background in watches because you, you're not a uh, full-time or a professional industry person, right? You know, we've interviewed at this point maybe 50 or 60 brand owners. I, I don't know. Something like many. that. And um, we have a, there's just a really wide swath of backgrounds. You know, every, everything from dedicated watchmaking school uh, to grew up in it. That's like, that's, like a leg, generational legacy people to right. folks like you, right. Who are ostensibly outsiders, um, and, and enthusiasts. So t- talk a little bit about your enthusiasm. I want to know, I want to know when watches as our friend AJ Barce of the Bellingham podcast would say, why watches? You know, I, growing up as a kid, my father had, um, my father had two watches. And again, I come from a very, very, very humble background. And I'm putting it very politely. I come from very humble beginnings. Um, My father had two watches and one was a Seiko and the other was a Bobova. But even then he would still keep them in great condition. And he would always tell me, you know, you can tell a lot by a person's by or by a man's character by how they're dressed and whether they have a watch on. And that's what he used to tell me. And, you know, mind you, I'm first generation in this country. So that was the, that was his immigrant perspective. It stuck with me. And growing up, I've been into watches since throughout high school. You know, that's when you start really, you know, when you have your little part-time job and you start having some money where you can buy your own watches. Now, you know, you're buying a freaking fossil at the mall. Yep. So, that's me. That's me. Yeah. Those are the DK and Y watches or something. It's blinged out in diamonds and you have no idea how good of a deal you got on it. Cause it's got all those diamonds on it. it yeah. The fo- <laughs> I, I, I'm a fossil, fossil blue with the sin- with the single diamond. Yeah. Oh, classic. <laughs> So, you know, it started from there and I've just been into watches since. And then when I finally was older out of college, I had saved up some money and I bought my first uh, quote unquote real watch. And this is in the early 2000s. And I've kind of been down the rabbit hole since. And All right. Out with it. And what was it? Out with it. It was a, it was a pre-owned Submariner. Yeah, you did. <laughs> it was a pre-owned Submariner and I got it for exactly $3,000. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I like have chills and a little nausea thinking about that. With oh. in, with inflation, about forty seven hundred dollars. Uh, so do you still have that watch? I don't. You dumbass! <laughs> I'm just joking, man. I, I don't. And He's well, not. the reason is because over the time, <laughs> I mean, from now, from 2003 to 2021, I've. I've purged my collection a few times as, you know, I try to consolidate pieces and trying to acquire different pieces. So I just, I've been on that journey on my personal collection. Are you kind of a revolving door collector then? 
Well, I have a couple sentimental pieces that mm-hmm. I know, like, hey, these are not going to go anywhere, but everything else, kind of. But okay. right now, where I'm at personally is now I am working on scaling my collection to something that I'm not that I'm not going to get rid of or I mean, something that I will be fully content with, at least for the next five to ten years. So, so let's hear it. So, so you, you've got you've got a watch brand. So we don't want to we, we don't want to assume that your your keepers are not your own watches, but to the extent that they are not your own watches, what what are the pieces that you think perhaps define you as a collector? The pieces, the I, watches. I don't know. People, this is weird. This is weird I feel words. that my collection, my my collection should be a varied blend of price points. Some grail pieces, mm-hmm. some mid tiers, some affordables, beaters. So I feel that I my watch box should have all of those pieces. And you know, I've, um, I mean, just whatever I've been able to achieve professionally, it's allowed me to even consider a grail piece, mm-hmm. which I'm thankful for. And that's what I feel a good collection would be something that covers all that covers the whole gamut. And you have different, as far as types of watches, it's really up to your, up to the individual's taste. Yeah. But we don't want to know about the individual. We want to know about you. So, and we're asking you, cause we want to hear about the watches that you own. Cause those are the, not necessarily the watches you you're drawing into. Well, yes. I, no, no, not yep. just for that, but I, I, I want to know, I want to know because those are the watches that, aren't necessarily inspiring your designs, but that's your taste. That's kind of what you, those are the watches that you're reaching for, which are, are kind of giving birth. Well, I can tell you, I can tell the, you this. To the watches my you're personal, designing. My personal favorite brand, my personal favorite, favorite brand is Alangu and Sona. Yeah. Which, which is just perfect. a, a yeah. lovely company, right? A, 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 lov- so, a lovely my, watches. I would say my top three brands, um, and these all fall within the Grail, the Grail watch space. It would be Alangu and Sona, FP Jordan, and Patek. Well, okay. you, you could do a lot worse than that. Yeah, you, you know, now, we, we talk a lot. In fact, I, I'm going to actually quote my friend Andrew. Um, there's this idea that you, the individual collector, Andrew says, you make the value, right? So my personal collection, I think, is much different than Andrew's personal question, collection. And, and and we often, you know, we talk amongst ourselves and, oh, that's an Everett watch. Oh, that's an Andrew watch. You, you know, I, I'm sort of famous for having this weird 90s JDM titanium G-Shock that I'm totally smitten with. And then yeah. going, to, going to watch time and falling in <laughs> love with uh, a... A diamond bell and Ross, you know, we all we all have things. And and so not asking you to name drop, perhaps, but if you could sort of isolate maybe one or two watches that you think like this is who I am as a collector. Um, I would. Definitely, if that were the case, I would definitely put the the longer one as one of them. Mm -hmm. It's a great watch. So that one, it's. It's a classical piece that you can pretty much dress up or dress down. You can wear it with a suit. You can even, even though it's considered the dress watch, you can wear it with jeans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Man, it's 2021. Uh, The rules about watches, like uh, our friend Rich, uh, Time Titans, a.k.a. Wellsboro, uh, has this 1940s paddock, Calatrava, uh, that... (sighs) 
we tried this watch on and I was like, I'd wear this with Carhartts or I'd wear it with dress pants. You, you know, 2021, right. the rules are gone. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one watch that I would say really is something that I really enjoy. And it's a watch that I think, I mean, it sparks a lot of emotion whenever I see it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So that that's one. And another one would be a Rolex OP39. All right, I like where okay. your head's at. I like where your head's at. The OP30, the OP39, it just wears so well. It wears great. It's not too bulky. It's not too thin. And the finishing on it, on the dial, it's really nice. And it's about, like I have the rhodium one. That's actually my wedding watch. So that will never go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it has a rhodium dial. And, you know, there's teal markers and teal accents on it. And just those small little details. That you're that you won't notice if you see it from afar or even at first glance. You have to sit with it for a few minutes and really pay attention before you notice it. So that's uh, I think that would be who I am as a collector. But then on the uh, on the other side of it, I another thing I would say would be a Laco Pilot watch. Mm-hmm. That's a great watch to have. It I have the Akin Thirty Nine. Fantastic watch. Yeah. I have the Akin 39. The loom on it is incredible. It's a fun watch to wear. I've taken that watch on some pretty fun adventures, and it it stands. It's under five hundred dollars. It's yeah, yeah. classic gem, German engineering luxury right. watch company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got it for three hundred. Well, th- those days are maybe behind us. <laughs> However, <laughs> well, actually, the best part is on their website, you know, they take Instagram posts who they favor of watches. And my Instagram posts for that specific watch are under their Instagram be- or on their website in their watch inspiration section. It's fantastic. Do they? The, you, you know, that's such a neat company. Yeah, they are. It's such a neat company. They are. And well, on on that side too, um have a vintage Grand Seiko. Uh 1970-6146-8000. Grammar of design, classic grammar mm-hmm. of design, Grand Seiko. Right. Yep. I have one of those and I have a G-Shock, which I modded and put into a I put into an Audemars case. No, yes. I put into a, a modded a Royal Oak uh, bracelet and casing. Like uh, like a Cassie Oak. Yeah, uh, but now I call it the Fraudemar. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about your lessons, the lessons you've learned? So so we talked a lot about the legacy and the, the OG legacy. And, and so, you know, everything was everything was thought out and we never got to finish that part. So I put I put thought into everything. And which is where I was going with when I, where I said, hey, you know what, this is uh, it could be for better or for worse, but everything does have thought behind it. Mm-hmm. So when I designed the watch with the dimensions, I have to make sure it can fit me. First and foremost, I have a 6.25 inch wrist, so that would be considered a small wrist. So I needed the watch to fit me. But like for me, I can comfortably wear a 34 millimeter watch and I'm good. There are people out there that won't. <clears throat> They need 42 and up. They need a 44 millimeter or 41, which is fine, which is why with the design on the original legacy, what I did is I tried to expand the case to create the visual illusion of the watch wearing bigger than what it is. Mm -hmm. So the dial is larger. The bezel is is smaller. 
but I also added crown guards on the side to create depth on the case. So this way, when you're staring at it, it seems much bigger than a 39.5. Now, one of the thing, one of some of the feedback that I got from that was it made the crown a bit difficult to wind, especially for those who have uh, bigger fingers. Well, and so an ST1901, not an automatic movement, right? So right. there's no wind as you walk function. Right. There's no wind as you walk function. Now, for me on the Legacy, I don't have a problem with it. But then again, I don't have the biggest fingers. I mean, my fingers are, I'd say normal, but they're not necessarily, I'm not a big You don't person. have summer sausage fingers. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, me, I've met you, Zach, here, and you're not the biggest man, but you're not tiny either. So, you know, I, so for me, it works. Um, some people, some people have said that they found it difficult, but also, the other thing that made it a bit that made it a bit stiff initially is there is a gasket underneath it. I put a gasket there for additional water resistance, which is uh, allowing me to get the 100 meters of water resistance. So that combined made it a bit difficult, which, you know, I there was a review out there that did speak about it. And I some some customers have reached out, which I explained to them. So I was able to fix it going off from that on the new one, on the new model. So, so you've you've introduced two new, the SE model, the special the edition. SE, like the, spe- the special edition and the Descent. It, the lovely colorways, by the way. Yeah. What's up? L- lovely colorways on these, by oh, thank the way. You. So with the SE, that's actually going to be the last time, the last watch that I use with the ST19 movement. So I, from there, I have some other ideas in my in my mind, which as soon as I bring them to life, I'll let you get an early preview. <laughs> I, if it comes out, if it comes out the way that I have it in my mind, they will be effing incredible. How, how does that feel? So how does it feel? So you, you know, you 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 referenced a review. Um, we don't need a name drop here because. Uh, uh, that's that's sort of a, a, a fool's game, but you you got feedback, and you, know, you and you made sh- subjective. You, mm-hmm. It it is subjective, right? And, and so there's this. We talk about this a lot, but this uh, pivot point, right? Is this subjective? Is this objective? When do I make the decision to change what I want? based on feedback, opinion, desires, right? We know that crowdsourcing design can be, um, at best, boring, and at worst, catastrophic. So how do you make those decisions? So so you did well, make one, decisions. And, so the first, for the, well, for this one, the first decision or what, I had to get out of the mindset of this is 100% for me. Because now I have to remember if I'm selling right. it to other people, I need other people to feel that it's for them too. So that's the first thing. And so, you know, I take reviews. Uh, I take customer feedback very important. Mm-hmm. I mean, I take that I take that to heart. I will keep, uh, if I hear from whatever feedback I get, I want to make sure that I consider it. Which is super different than reviewer feedback. And I think, I mean, I know you I know that, that but I want to remind you of that. Reviewers, we're, we're terrible creatures. Just like, <laughs> like the scum of the earth. <laughs> bad human beings oh no no you know what no not even that i just i take it with a grain of salt because it's all subjective yeah because you know what what you would think is there may be something that i think is phenomenal that you may disagree with and i get it 
But, you know, again, I have to remember, hey, this I'm making watches, even though it's my design and I designed it for me, other people that are not me are going to be wearing them. So that's the big thing that, that I have to keep in mind. So the first watch, the OG, the OG, uh, uh, legacy, sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, that one, I released it without any crowdfunding, any no crowdsourcing or nothing. That was just through the community. These watches I've released through Kickstarter and mainly just because as such a small and new brand, I don't have a marketing budget. I have no marketing funds and this would actually give me some, the much needed marketing that I that I would need as a brand. And also mm -hmm. it gives me the exposure to a much larger group of people than I'd be able to reach out to on my own. And so far in the campaign, there's 17 days to go. I'm approximately 90% funded. And um, the feedback that I've gotten has been great. People who've seen the watches, the new models, they're very happy with them. But not just that, I get data from Kickstarter and that data is so valuable. I've seen, been able to reach customers in other countries that I would not have probably that I wouldn't have reached without it. Mm -hmm. So now I know what I can do as the company grows. So even if I wanted, depending if I have a high amount of volume from a certain country, if I wanted to reach out there and do a limited edition just for that country, I can do so now because I have that data. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so with that, with the special edition on a legacy, I wanted to... So the original, I went with the Panda reverse Panda dial format. I wanted to stay away with, from that this time. I wanted to go with a solid color, but also I wanted the finishing to be more towards high horology. So with these on the dial, the finishing is very different. It's a combination of, uh, combination of sunburst and hammered metal finishing. So it really stands out. There's so many details and different layers. When you look at the watch, you'll see so many new things. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's immediately apparent, right? That the hammered, the hammered uh, rings on that dial right. really pop out immediately, and and I think that you've gone maybe with more traditional coloring too on these. You 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 didn't do the panda, but even the copper feels to me a little bit more traditional than your first two watches. They are. I went with a copper and a salmon dial, but you know most salmon dials they have pink tones to it. So I've removed all the pink and added copper, and that's why I call it Copper River. So now the, when you move it around on one, it'll either resemble salmon or a shiny penny. Yeah. And that so far has been the, the fan favorite. Everybody loves it. That surprises me because I really like your guilt dial. Mm -hmm. the, the That's the, that out of those two, the, the salmon one gets the most positive feedback and then the guilt one gets a, uh, that one comes in second. So with that, <laughs> second of two, well, second of two. Uh, why? Because in my I, in my head, I'm thinking about the descent too. But then I have to remember, you know, let's separate that one. Well, well, so we gotta get know, to outside of that. Yeah. So outside, so outside of the dial being finished, I ended up. I was able to redesign the case. So I was able to redesign the case to remove the gasket, still keep 100 100 meters of water resistant. And I ditched the crown guard and increased the size of the crown itself. The crown is pretty much double the size. And that way, people with bigger fingers or bigger statured people can operate the watch comfortably. Are you calling me fat? That's what I heard. It feels a little <laughs> bit like he's calling me fat. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I do it all the time. No, no, you can just pile on. That's the thing we do. You, you know, I, th I think 
I think what you've done here is is really refreshing, right? So it, it's a watch that you look at and it feels familiar, but you've made sensical, feedback-driven changes. I, I really like what you've done. You've kept... Uh, there's one more thing I keep forgetting, or I should not forget to mention. On the, on the copper dial, the hands are heated blue. They're thermally blued hands, which is a high horology feature I wanted to add to this. They're not painted. They're actually heated. And they'll still be at a very attractive price point. Yeah. I mean, you have come up a, just a little bit, but in a way that feels inoffensive. Right. Yeah. We should talk about the descent because, you, you know, we, we bring you on. I'm, I'm sure you want to talk about your new watches. I want to talk about your new watches. The Descent is super cool. So with The Descent, I wanted to make a sports watch. I don't necessarily call it a dive watch. I call it a sports watch. I wanted to make a sports watch that you can take anywhere. A watch that you can take on the beach, go in the water, play, have a day of volleyball, just do whatever and have that watch. But then the same night, if you're going out to dinner, you can still take it out to dinner with a blazer. The classic and, go anywhere, do anything. Right. And I mean, to achieve yeah. that, the watch comes with two straps. It'll come with the silicone strap and the leather strap, and you can switch them out as needed. But on even on top of that, I did a bunch of stuff to the dial. I created some guillotine. I created a guillotine center on it. The dial itself has three different layers. So there's one layer with the seconds. The second one has the hour markers and the loom. And the third is a guillotine sensor. So I gave it very non-traditional finishing on the dial compared to what you would see in the actual sports watches. The, the case itself is polished. It's 200 meters water resistance with a screw down crown. Open case back, Miyota 9039 premium caliber, the one that has hacking seconds. Yes, sir. And I even... And I even did something that a lot of micro brands don't do. I customized the rotor. That's a cool signature. All new on customization the onto the rotor. And for me, that's actually my first step into movement customization. And, you know, I don't have the, I didn't go to a watchmaking school or anything. This is just stuff that I enjoy doing. I taught myself. I love it. Wait, 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 wait. You did that. The rotor? Yeah. yeah. Like a laser engraver at your garage? Not in my garage. Have to go somewhere. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it's fun. You, you know, it, it, it's fun. These little touches, right? You, you've talked about um, affordability and you've also talked about high horology. Those two things don't go together. And, 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 and we don't actually see, you, you know, very often brands successfully bringing those things together right we we've talked to a lot of brands and you, you know famously um andrew has has talked about a, a, a brand you know doing sort of crystal barware for for the everyday man you, you know when mm. when we when we had someone on they've had an adventuring dial in a, a really inexpensive w w watch I think for me, I really enjoy seeing those things. I love seeing a signed rotor. I love seeing, um, you, you know, little things that maybe uh, are almost discordant when you when you first think about them. 
but they just add you you, you know the dissent I think we'd be doing a disservice to it if we didn't talk about uh, the funky bezel. The funky bezel, I, I just, exactly. I want to mention too, when you were talking about your your rhodium op, you were talking about these little details, and while you were doing that, I was looking at the descent on your website, and it yes. clicked, and I saw it. Not the design, but the little details. And you talk, you said your dad told you, you know, you're judged by what you're wearing. And, and your watch. And it, you, I'm getting the sense and I'm seeing in your watches, if you can do the little things right, everything else falls in place. And those little things are all so highlighted in all these designs that we've talked about. And I think the descent is where you've hit, fully hit your stride in getting those little things right. The, the cohesiveness of all of these very unique details is is really cool thank you thank you i appreciate that and the my favorite part is the is the bezel on the descent and again i wanted this to be a watch that you can wear with the blazer and you know so i opted not to go with the ceramic bezel but the bezel itself it's a polished polished bezel and what i call the duo bezel it combines a dive timer and the gmt in one so if this is a watch that you can take with you on vacation and you go to a different time zone, you can use it to track two time zones, take it to the beach, go out to dinner with it, and it wears so incredibly well. It's 39 millimeters, 45 millimeters top to bottom, 20 millimeters at the lugs so people can change out whatever straps they want. It, it fits under a shirt cuff. And, you know, for even just for as an added extra step or extra bonus, there's a helium escape valve on the side. Just why, why not? Why not? Doesn't it doesn't hurt. It, it doesn't hurt. And certainly it doesn't take from a watch. Um, talk to us a little bit about the design on the duo timer, because I uh, I, I don't think I've seen this before. I'm not sure I have either. We talked a little bit about this in New York, but um you, you know, you went sort of with a side-by-side -side format on that. I assume that's going to be divisive. I, I think that you're going to have people that love it and people that, that just don't. Um, yeah, there, it will be an acquired taste. I, I'm comfortable with that. I think it's great. I think it's something, it's something that I always wanted to do, and I figured out a way how to do it. Also, just even talking to people that are within the neuro, neuroscience space that I know personally they they've mentioned they've even helped me with the design as far as how it would work because your eyes and your brain automatically track what you want to track so when you're staring at the bezel and you already have in your mindset hey this is i'm using this as a gmt your eyes will automatically drift to the 12 instead of the 60. In terms of in terms of functionality, you, you've got a lot in here. Um, do you think that at some point you've got to make a decision about aesthetics versus functionality, or do you think you can do them both? I'll take it per model. I think I would take it per model. Like for example, if I decided I wanted to do a dress watch. I would be more concerned about aesthetics only over function. Right. 
Like if it's going to be a tuxedo watch, then I wouldn't care about the water resistance. I 30, 30 meters would be fine. I wouldn't try to jam pack it with features. So it's really, it really depends on the type of watch. Like the chronograph, you can have fun with it. Sport watches, you can have fun with it. Now, if you get into pilot's watches or field watches and dress watches, each category that you that I would try to get into, it would be different. It would be based on what I would try to achieve in that category. Yeah. Have you got designs lined up and on deck for those categories? I do. I am actually much more excited about a piece unique that I am working on. Are you are you just it's teasing a, us? Okay. It's a piece, it's a piece unique, and it will be a chronograph. And again, this is just a, it's the vision right now, and I'm making sure everything comes together. But if it comes together, I would want this. This is a watch that I would let rotate. I would send it to everybody, let them have it for a couple of weeks, take pictures, wear it, do whatever you need to do with it, and ultimately see if I can auction it off and use that money towards just for the greater good, just hmm. donate it to something. And this is something, but the watch itself, if my vision comes out the way that I see it, it'll be freaking incredible. That's a great teaser. Uh, yeah. Keep us in mind. Zakir, you currently have two watches in pre-order through Kickstarter. Why don't you tell us how we can get to your Kickstarter and where you're, I know, I know. Okay. Look, it's fine. It's late. I've had three seltzers. There's 6%. Why don't you tell us how we can get to your Kickstarter, where you're at in terms of the sales, and what we could expect to find, you know, of course. Thursday morning in terms of availability? Oh, well, you know, I right now it's on Kickstarter. You can just go to Kickstarter and type in Watch Company and it'll pop up. Or if you go to my Instagram page, at Watchco and just go into the bio. You'll see it right there. Uh, that's the easiest way to access it. And well, right now I am a bit under 90% funded. So about 4,000 or so to go and I'll be at my goal. And there's about 17 days remaining. So right now it's Tuesday. So yeah, we'll be at 15 days come Thursday. So for the, for the legacy hybrid which is a mecha quartz movement where oh, by the way yeah i forgot about that so on kickstarter i have two versions of the legacy se the mechanical and a hybrid the hybrid is just for kickstarter only that's with the vk64 mecha quartz the differences are one of course it'll be much more affordable two i can reduce the thickness the se is 13 millimeters the hybrid can be brought down to 11. Whew. And, so the thickness, and how much for those two watches, the SE, uh, the, uh, the SE, SE and the right hybrid? Now, I know the earlier, the early birds have sold out. So now the normal or the, the stage one is at 399. So there should be some 399 ones remaining before it goes up to 425. There's only four and of those. The hybrids, the 199s are sold out. I know there's 249. Once the 249s go up, then it goes to 299. Now, the hybrid, though, that is only on Kickstarter. So whatever sells in the next 15 days in total, that's all I'm making for the hybrid one. If you want a Mecha Quartz, if you want a Mecha Quartz Legacy, get on Kickstarter because that's the only way to get them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because once the campaign's done, I'm not producing. That's just the special for that. And how about for the Descent? 
for the descent, uh, the early birds, there's still some. It starts at $3.99, which is a pardon my French here, but I think it's a kick-ass deal. Yeah, for that's, what a, you can, that's a banging deal watch, for sure. Two straps. You get a full watch that you can really a really rugged and durable watch. And that caliber is so good. The 9039, it's accurate. Yeah. It's hacking side, it has hacking seconds. So whenever you set the time, you can get the you can get much more accurate time setting too. Look, man, we're on record. 9039 is a great moment. We're we're on record. Fantastic. And a sign crown. Okay, fantastic. So one of the questions uh, about the about the name, like the name of the brand, because apparently there is a band with the same name. <laughs> it is. There it's is. an all all yeah. all lady band. Right. And mind you, I don't, I've never heard of them. I, I listen to, uh, musically, I listen to nothing but hip hop. Okay. 90s hip hop more specifically. Yep. Okay. So, uh, the name of the, the name of the brand name is actually my last name spelled backwards. I've read this. So when I started it, I wanted a, a bit of a namesake brand and, I just didn't, the way my name sounded on a dial, it just didn't have the right zing to it. And I wanted to see if I can get a name that would be one syllable prolonged. And of course, my wife and all of her wisdom, she is a much better, a much better person than me, suggested that, that I spell my name backwards. I would love to have been a fly on that wall for that conversation because my first reaction would be like, that's stupid. And then I would have like gone and written it backwards. I'm like, oh, this is fucking smart. Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> that pretty much was. That was my reaction. Okay. Her and her, her and her, I can just say this. I Either she's going to listen to this episode or not, but either way, she improves my life in so many ways that in more ways than I improve hers. That's what wives are for, right? Improving our lives. Yeah. And then we just drag them down. Let's hope Sam doesn't listen to this episode. <laughs> Uh, she knows that. <laughs> she knows I'm just dead weight. She's cool with it, though. She's still around. Oh, yeah. Um, no, so she was just like, hey, spell it backwards. And at first, I'm like, get out of here. And when I wrote it down, I'm like, yeah, you're right. That, that is cool. That works. It means yeah, you have more rights to the name than the band. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, Zakir, I really like to hear about it. Um, I think that we are going to almost certainly have you back on the show at some point because there's too much good stuff happening here that we're not going to want to hear more. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, you can check him out on Kickstarter. Uh, and for now, for now, for just a second, we're going to transition a little bit because it's time. Andrew, it's time. It is. Other things, what do you got? I'm kind of an interesting thing. It's a little bit of a weird thing. You do not have an interesting thing. So I, I like things. You do. I can. I can. And I like things. That, I can confirm. <clears throat> I like things that make sense. Things that are cool. So I use a tool at work with with quite a bit of regularity. It, it's by a brand called Zach Tool. Z a k t o o l. It's a window punch. And it's not a brute force and repetition window punch. And you'll, we'll get here. So the, it's a pen-sized window punch with a little pen clip. It's got its window punch tip, and it, it, its body is a spring. Are you going to at some point tell people what a window punch is? It's you, yeah. If you're not familiar, wow, well, okay. A window punch is a, t- 
is a tool and it comes in in a hundred different shapes and varieties right a lot of people see like the orange little hammer thing with a safety hook and a and a what looks like an ice pick on the end to break out your windows and the the tool itself is designed to break tempered glass to break car windows specifically and it's because glass is extremely strong it's hard unless it is hit with such a tiny, tiny point that it opens and releases the energy in the window. If you've not watched a video of somebody throwing ceramic shards from a spark plug at a window, go do it. It's fascinating because you don't have to throw it hard, but the sharpness of those broken ceramic shards enter into the tiny parts of the window and just release all the energy that the window is holding. So I break a lot of car windows at work. (laughs) That's that's just a thing that I do with with some regularity, and uh, this tool that I've been using, and it's my preferred tool. I have I have several of them because I'm a I'm a two is one, one is none kind of person. So the one that I use primarily is this Zach tool, and it's got its window break tip on the end. It's the size of a pen, and it's got a spring body. And all you do is press it into your window. You stretch your spring body a little bit. The force of the spring compression compression drives the window break into it, and it. The first time I used it, I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "I, I didn't expect it exactly to work." So it was just, and it just the window blew up, and then I kind of froze there, and the person in the car kind of froze, and we we're just like, "Uh, wow!" And then, and you know, things happened. It's like a Pez dispenser, but for breaking windows. Yes, but so 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 they're fourteen fifty. They come fourteen dollars and fifty cents. Yes, fourteen dollars yeah. and fifty cents. They come in all iterations. All you need to get a brand new stereo system tonight. Yeah. Well, they, so they come in iterations <laughs> for police officers with handcuff keys on the end. This iteration that I have is just a pen. And keeping a window break tool in your own car to to exit your vehicle is exceptional. Like it's extremely important. You should have things in your car to to be safe. I I, I know many people, especially in the south been caught in flash floods their cars float away like i know people personally whose cars have floated away on the freeway it's a good idea to be able to get out of your vehicle if if you get caught in a flash flood if or if you your car windows won't roll down you know having a a seatbelt cutter having a window break tool you know take your pick but in the way of window break tools this is my number one go-to they're inexpensive and they're so effective I've used brute force and repetition on windows. It's an, it, it works eventually, but this thing is like, just like, whoa, wow, that's cool. Yeah, I feel like we've gotten into some sketchy territory. I, I appreciate that, that you have a professional need. You uh, should have one in your car to be able to get out of your car. Yeah, if yeah. you're in a crash and your window doesn't break and your windows don't roll down, you're in a crash and you're entrapped, you can get yourself out. Despite what Mark Thiessen says. You know, all I got out of this is how I can get my next stereo yes, yes that's right that's right despite what mark Thiessen Phillips says, said on the other end man that would be dope global warming is happening you may actually get caught in a flash flood because it's 2021 and everything's going to shit so or you are a bad driver and you're known to crash in the river so andrew i've got another thing do me shut up i don't I, care <laughs> i've got another thing so i i think everybody knows i dig the 90s i dig jdm I have been the owner, I have been, past tense, the owner of a 1996 Lexus LS400, which is 
as I now know, the second greatest car ever made. Uh Uh-oh. So I love the LS400. The, The LS400 is... Japan's homage to the luxury, the the as I as I like to say, the Luxo barge, right? They basically took a Mercedes uh, S class and made it better in literally every single way, made it more affordable, and sold it to the masses. So Toyota, a company that's known for reliability and for um, maybe sort of conservative design, to put it nicely. Yeah, it's nice. To, yeah, <laughs> to put it nicely. Uh, made in the 90s, uh, really the 80s, and, and, and then into the 90s. Just this wonderful vehicle. I've been an owner of one for many, many years. I fucking rear-ended someone. My fault. No good excuse. And I crashed my car. And I totaled it. And I tried to get it repaired. Tried to kill your insurance adjuster with it. And it just didn't happen, right? It was just like not going to fucking happen. It wasn't going to happen. So I was in this situation where I needed to get a new car. And what a normal person would do is go to a car dealership and buy a car. But I'm not really a normal person. And so instead, instead, I sort of hit the drawing board, as it were. Uh, And I settled on a car similar in many ways, made by the same company. Uh, same model line, about seven years newer. Uh, so again, you guys, I'm an attorney. I could go to the dealership and buy a car today, but that's just not how I do things, right? It's just not how I do things. It is not. And and, and I spend years looking for the ugliest JDM Titanium G Shock. <laughs> and and I know that some people could probably. Uh, some people probably do criticize me for this, but I, I just don't like to do things that way. So I've, I landed on a car. I landed on a car. Um, it's a, a 2003 Lexus LS430. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you, I spent some time. I found the same color paint. But roughly the same color paint. It's the GS. R- roughly, r- no, it's an LS. R- roughly <clears throat> the same color interior. So in so many ways, I've just bought my old car. But I'm telling you, going from 1996 to 2003, my eyes have been opened. I've got like thermometers that tell me what temperature it is. I've got mirrors that when I put it in reverse. So the watch clicker fam has, uh, our, our staff has made a lot of fun of me in the last couple of weeks as I've discovered the joys that this car has to offer because they are things that were popularized in the early 2000s. Uh, things like adaptive cruise control, um, really sort of normal stuff. But basically I've taken my car that I love so much that's old and antiquated and um, brought it into a slightly more modern package. And I may be a convert. I thought for a long time the 1996 LS400 was the car for me. I am now convinced that the 2003 LS430 is the car for me. You know, someday you're going to drive a new car. (laughs) You're going to drive a car produced in the decade that we are currently living in. You're going to be like, oh, oh, 
I'm, you might I'm, just get a 2021 Toyota Corolla and just like, holy hell. This did it. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. You know, that may happen. I doubt it. Uh, but it, it it may happen. Um, I'm still getting about 15.4 miles to the gallon. So there are some drawbacks. In, Which in, I have to say the 2014 F-150 is... It does beat it it's in that kick, regard. It's kicking yeah. its ass. Yeah, no, that that's fine, and I appreciate that. But my other thing for the week is the 2003 Lexus LS430, which you can't find. I, I found one at a at a what like a, a police auction. <laughs> <laughs> you can get these things for you know it. I've got ninety seven thousand miles on mine. Ninety seven thousand miles. You can get them for under ten grand. You should have a drug dog sniff your car. <laughs> just just like volunteer to just get it sniffed real quick so that you know, right? Yeah, well, <clears throat> maybe not. We'll see. Not knowing <laughs> is part of the joy. It's, it's, it's the danger, right? You're living on the edge. Zakir, other things. What do you, you know, got? Right now, the most memorable or the most in recent times right now, the most memorable other thing. The electronic nose Frida. Tell me new- more. I have a newborn, and initially, you know, when you want to get the snot out, you, this thing called the nose Frida, you spray some saline, you stick a tube in, and you suck the snot out. Man. Now there's an actual electric one where you don't have to suck on it anymore. You just put it in the kid's nostril, and it just pulls it out. And even to keep them distracted, there's some lights on it that start blinking. I think it's the greatest thing ever. Between early 2000s uh, Japanese luxury cars and snot suckers, I, I think we've <clears throat> we've done it. We've done a thing here tonight. So you've got a you've got a new baby. Yeah, my baby, my my baby girl just turned seven months. How how do you feel? How do you feel right now? So you're in Kansas City. You're traveling. You've been traveling for a week. It feels great. You've been traveling for a week. How, how do you, how is life with a new baby? You you know we're both dads, right? We're both dads, and so we've had these experiences. But I, I always am curious about how people are just doing in life. And and your other thing I think is is fantastic because it's indicative that you're doing being a dad. But how do, how are you doing with that? You know, I I never sat down or I never took a moment to actually think about that. I, like you, initially you'll be nervous about, hey, am I going to do this right? But then the next thing you know, when the time comes, you just do it. You just end up doing it. And I mean, of course. Um, if I don't admit that my wife does way more than I do with the baby, I will hear it. So I'm admitting it right now. Yeah, just admit um, it, man. That's the path to freedom. <laughs> oh, but, I mean, my daughter, she owns me. Um, being away, it's weird because, yeah, I can probably get a bit more sleep. But, nope, I'm, on, I'm potting with you guys and it's almost midnight. And also, sometimes you start waking up in the middle of the night like, okay, this is weird because I don't hear a baby crying. It's way too quiet. Yeah, there's you just that. get so used to hearing the baby crying. You'll get to sleep through that. Don't worry. That's coming. <laughs> oh no, I can now. I, okay. I can now. And of course, um, of course, my wife uh graciously just elbows me. Get up. I'm like, what? She's like, if I have to get up, you're up. That's hardcore. <laughs> You, you, you know, uh, we talk a lot about, you know, parenthood and 
what it's like. I, I know I personally, um, really early in the process, came to the decision that this is not hard. It's not easy either. It's not hard. This is just what I'm going to do, and I'm here for it. Um, you, you know, I think there's a lot of tropes about parenthood, and it's worth it. It's it's so worth it, and yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, like, uh, we're bi- biologically built to do this thing, and the amount of satisfaction you get you out of it is incredible. You know what helps me incredible. get through it? You know what helps me get through it? There's this meme page on Instagram. It's called Death by Diapers. I'm looking. It sounds I'm like ready. you. It sounds like you brought in a second other thing, which will allow it, I guess. Well, that, Instagram from that. Meta. Fucking Meta. <laughs> <laughs> That's so terrible, man. <laughs> oh, but anyway, that meme page has has made things. It helps me get through it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Zakir, we really appreciate you coming on the show. We appreciate the time to talk to you. Well, thank uh, you for having me. It, you, you at home, you you can check out Haymwatches at haymwatchcode.com, www.haymwatchcode.com. Also, check out the Instagram that is at haymwatchco. All one word, no underscores, no nothing. You can find him there. Pictures of all the watches, including all the new shit. Check out the Kickstarters. Some good deals still to be had. There are. They're on the Kickstarter. We we do always recommend. We're, we're not going to get any kickback, although we may uh, beat Secure up a little bit after we start recording, see if we can't get something out of him. But we don't get any kickback for this. This is you know a passion project for us, passion project for the watch clicker, and a passion project for Haim. But in order for Haim to keep going, he needs support from people like you. So check him out. And if you like what he's doing... If you if you're smelling what he's stepping in, then uh, maybe give him a pre-order. Smelling what he's stepping in, you don't like that? You give me a funny I look. Don't like that. Okay, well, picking up what he's putting down. I'm, that's better. <laughs> I think I prefer smelling what he's stepping in. I I don't like it. Well, I was thinking about that right now. I'm like, wait, smelling what I'm stepping in. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. All right. Well, we tried. I tried. Try again next time. If you enjoy what you see, I'd be happy to have you on board. Hey, thanks you guys for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast. You can check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20. You can also check Watch Clicker out at Watch Clicker. Don't forget to check out Haim Watches at Haim Watch Co. on Instagram. You can check us out on our website, www.watchclicker.com. That's where we post reviews almost every single week, sometimes multiple times a week, and every single episode of this podcast. If you want to support us, please, 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 I hope you do. You can do so at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That's where Watch Clicker and 40 and 20 gets all our money for hosting. It's no small amount either. Because of all well, the pictures. Pictures, hardware, hosting. That's how we support all this stuff. So if you want to support us, we'd love to have you. And don't forget to check us out next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.